0: This is off script with Trish Gloss, intimate interviews and conversations with interesting people. And in front of my mic today is Dr. Robin Miller.
1: I'm glad I'm considered an interesting person. Right? You're that
0: category of interesting, of interesting people. Interesting to me at least. Um, so you are a local doctor here. Yes. An internist, yes. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but what explain what that is, an internist. An internist is an adult doctor,
1: so I see adults. I don't a, see children. A grown-up doctor. Yeah, sort of general doctor for adults. People, you have to put on your your big girl panties to come see you. You do. Okay. Although <laughs> I, ha, I I generally don't do it, but I will see teenagers. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so I always like to start off with, where are you from? Originally, I'm originally from Chicago.
0: Okay. So how long do you live in Chicago? I lived in Chicago till I went to college. Okay. What, I was eighteen. What college? University of Michigan. Okay, so tell me a little bit about growing up in
1: Chicago. What was that like? And give me a, if you if you dare, give me a time frame. Uh, I was born in 1953. Okay, and I graduated high school in 1971. Okay, so that cool. tells you how old I am now. <laughs> um, growing up in Chicago for me was wonderful. We lived in Wilmette, which is a suburb of Chicago, and we lived on a block called Lincoln Lane. Nice. Lincoln Lane was amazing. What made it amazing? Everyone knew each other, everyone took care of each other. Um, All the kids would go out to play every night, there was no internet, there were no cell phones. And all we did was play till it got dark and our moms called us in and all the moms watched out for each other. That is amazing. Yes, every year we'd do this Lincoln Lane fair, my neighbor Candy would do it with me and we made money for UNICEF. Oh really? It was so cool, it was like the coolest thing. How old were you then? Oh, I was young. Candy was a year older than me. So we were, like, started when I was about 10. And you're raising money for UNICEF? Yes, we raised some money for UNICEF. Okay, how did that even start? Well, at that time, that was a big deal. Okay. Uh, uh, Halloween, that's what you did. Oh, okay. Um, and then Can- it was Candy's idea. Nice. So she was my next-door neighbor, and that's what we did. It was, what? like, the coolest. I mean, when I think about how we grew up, I, I'm just in awe. Really? I'm sorry my children didn't have that. Mm.
0: Where's Candy now? Do you know?
1: Candy is in Napa Valley. She's retired. She's amazing. She um, worked for KPTV. No, no. What's the one in San Francisco? Ah. Oh, you're testing my skills now. She's a she was a big producer there. Oh, okay. So news, TV news producer. Did news, and then she went to CNET. She's just one of these visionaries. Wow. And she now she's the one that told me all about the internet. I didn't know what the heck she was talking about. <laughs> and she said, "You'll be able to see traffic before you go into traffic." I'm like, "How could you do that?" Yeah. I I still couldn't wrap my mind around it, but she saw it way ahead of time. That's crazy.
0: Move this a little closer. Okay. Um, and she's now in Napa. Yeah, she's in Napa, retired, and having a great time. Candy sounds amazing. She's amazing. Does she? Ever, do you guys ever see each other?
1: Yeah, she's going to be visiting this summer. Maybe you want her on your show. She's pretty Maybe fascinating. Maybe
0: so. All right, Candy, I'd love to have you on. Um, and she, you guys were friends for until you moved away. I mean, obviously, We've you're still friends. We've always been friends. Yeah, like she's next like another neighbors. sister. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Okay, so also. With childhood, what was family life like? Did you have siblings? Did you grow up with yes, siblings? Yes, I have a
1: brother and a sister.
0: Okay. What are were I'm you? The in oldest? A, oh, I should have known.
1: <laughs> should have known. It was fun. I mean, obviously we had squabbles, but yeah, my parents were pretty amazing. My dad was unbelievable. Like, he always knew when history was going to happen. Really? Oh, yeah. So I remember in uh, the 68 Democratic Convention in mm-hmm. Chicago, mm-hmm. we're sitting in Old Town, which is in a certain part of Chicago, eating dinner. And this brick comes through the window onto the table. And he goes, oh my gosh. And my mom goes, we're going home, right? He goes, no. You need to see what a riot's all about. You need to be part of history. Wow. So he took us down there. And then eventually the police came and said, excuse me, sir, you need to go back to the suburbs. Oh, that's so (laughs) funny. But I mean, who
0: does that? No. Yeah, no one. Most parents would be like, let's go. No. We have to point out we are not alone in the in the podcast room. This is Vegas. Yes. What kind of dog is Vegas? He's
1: mostly German Shepherd. He's okay. a he's a rescue. He's gorgeous. He's amazing. You got him
0: two years ago. Yes, two years ago. Isn't it funny they become your best buddies instantly? Oh. He's my always buddy. Yeah. He's with me all the time. Yeah. Um, our first dog Mia, I call her my best girlfriend because that's exactly what mm-hmm. she's always been. Um, so let's get back to your dad. What did he
1: do? My dad started as a stockbroker. Okay. And then he ultimately ended up owning two daycare centers on the south side of Chicago. Awesome. And your mom? My mom was a, was a social worker. Wow. Okay.
0: That's very interesting. So I love the fact that you said he, he knew when history was happening. Oh, yeah. He, so in, he wanted to
1: sort of absorb it in the moment. Yes. Yes. So I remember another story where a long time ago, you know, you didn't fly to Colorado to go skiing. You took the train. (laughs) Okay. So my very first trip to Colorado, I went with my school. We went on the train. It dropped us off when we were done. Mm -hmm. Um, On April 4th, um, that was my dad's birthday. He picked me up downtown Chicago. It was the the day Martin Luther King was shot. Wow. And he goes, I want to show you my daycare centers on the south side of Chicago. And so I said, okay, we're driving down this into the south side of Chicago, and he goes, mm. get down, Robin, they're shooting at us. Oh, my gosh. We were fine. And believe it or not, his daycare centers were fine. Wow. But once again, it was like, you got to see this. Yeah.
0: Do you ever get back to Chicago
1: to go visit? I do. My dad passed away about nine years ago, but my mom's still there, and she's amazing. Okay. It's changed a lot, I'm assuming. It has in a, from in when... a very good way.
0: Right. Right. Whenever I think of the suburbs of Chicago, this is awful.
1: I've never been. I always think of Home Alone or yeah. Uncle Buck. Oh, yeah. Or that was, I think, Winnetka. That was a suburb over from us. Okay. Uh, we didn't live in a house like that, believe me.
0: <laughs> but that's what—that's my vision of of just just like you said, kids running around yes. on bikes and mm-hmm. yeah fireflies and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I get why you and Dr. Jerry Mendelson are such good buds, because she's also from Chicago. Yeah, she,
1: she grew up not far from me. That's so bizarre. Are you guys
0: close in age? Yes, we are. That's so funny. Small. Yeah. It's a small world. We sound alike, too. Oh, uh, yeah, and you And when do. we get together... Is it worse? Really, it's
1: much worse <laughs>
0: Well, Our Midwestern accents just go crazy. Well, I just, every time I see her, she always calls me kiddo. And yep. that's my favorite thing mm-hmm. ever That's when she calls me kiddo. So what was what were you like in high school?
1: Uh, I was pretty much of a nerd. <laughs> I went to Nutri <laughs> High School, Nutri West. Okay. Um, it was a high school where there were some amazing people that went to my high school. So even if I had been exceptional, I would have been, I mean, I would have been mediocre.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, and I don't know how exceptional I was. I mean, I did well. Mm-hmm. But I was with people like Ed Zwick, who was a year ahead of me. Ed Zwick was the, is the producer, director for Shakespeare in Love. He's an incredibly talented guy. Um, Christy Gunn, who was Christy Hefner, you Hefner's daughter. Okay. Um, I One of my good friends is a guy named Richard Lipton. and He was one of the originators of, he made or came up with Imitrex. Wow. Quite so, the mean, list. I had all these amazing people in my class, so I was like, you know, mm-hmm. your average. Oh, uh, I don't believe that. You were I, uh, average overachiever. That's what I would call myself. Okay, a smart. <laughs> you were a smarty pants though. Not like them. No. No, they were amazing. Oh, Christine Neversall, who's won a bunch of Tonys. Mm-hmm. Incredibly talented singer. She was in my class.
0: That's kind of a, a good list you have there. Of, I know of people. It was quite a high school. What
1: made you decide to go to medical school? Well, that's an interesting story. So when I was in college, mm-hmm. um, I was in the lowest level of English you could get. That was not my thing. <laughs> and the teacher said to me, you know, you know, Robin, I don't think you should do anything English related. <laughs> you might want to look at science. Right, right. And I went, oh, okay. And I actually was pretty good at science. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I saw these guys around me saying they're going to medical school. I'm like, oh, I could be as good as them. Pssh, I could do that. If not better. Right. So that was my challenge to myself. I, wow. I do not really know that I was thinking of medicine in such, you know, altruistic terms. Right. But I did like people. I did like science. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I could do this.
0: And you were a little competitive, it sounds like. Uh, very. Very competitive. Yes. Okay. I like that. And that's funny because I went into journalism because I don't do math, I, I do, don't do numbers. Science scares the you know what out of me, and English just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So just different.
1: Well, I think it's interesting that I've written three books since then. That is interesting. And I'd love to find her and say, you know, you might want to think
0: about that assessment. Because that's one of your loves, actually, is writing. I love to write. Right. So um, very different there. Yeah, if that Mm -hmm. professor could see you now. If she could, if I remember her name, I'd... Call her out. (laughs) Call her out on the podcast. (laughs) Like, lady. (laughs) Yeah, look at me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so beyond medical school, though, what made you decide to practice what you're practicing now. What, you know, what kind of said this is what I want to do.
1: Well, that's a really good question. So, when I first started, I was in research. I mm-hmm. did a fellowship at Johns Hopkins where okay. I did preventive cardiology. Mm-hmm. This was in the mid 80s, early to mid 80s. Okay. And at that time, we did a lot of things in terms of preventive cardiology that made sense. So, healthy lifestyle, mm-hmm. exercise, mm-hmm. healthy diet, all those things that made sense. Um, and then later on, we moved to Medford where I was doing um, urgent care, ultimately internal medicine. Okay. And I remember being at a meeting, this was in the early 90s, okay. um, giving a lecture on how you help prevent heart disease. And one of the cardiologists stood up and said, you don't have to do that anymore. We've got statin drugs now, people can like eat their Twinkies and still be fine. Mm. And if they got heart disease, we could open it up with a stat now. And I'm like, no. There's something wrong with that. There's a problem here. Right. But that was the beginning of just about a pill for everything. That was in the early 90s? That was in the early 90s. So we Mm -hmm. now had pills for cholesterol. We had pills to lower your blood pressure. We had pills to make you happy. We had pills to help your erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. We had all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I believe that was a shift in medicine Mm -hmm. where you could have the 10-minute visits because all you're doing is giving pills out anyway, right? Yeah. So uh, late 1999, 2000, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm done with this. I was in a room with a patient writing my 10th prescription thinking, you know what? She really needs me to talk to her and figure out what's wrong with her. This is nonsense. Mm. And I actually got up after that and I quit. Whoa. Mm -hmm. You just said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. So I applied for an integrative medicine fellowship with Dr. Andrew Weil in Arizona. Okay and that's what i did and i actually talked to asante at the time and said i'd want to do this what do you guys think they mm-hmm. said that's a great idea and they actually paid for my fellowship beautiful mm-hmm. that's an investment it was yeah and do you think
0: looking back in the early 90s the pill for everything i mean cuz we could talk about healthcare forever but that as you mentioned changed a lot of how doctors and patient that whole relationship absolutely and kind totally of change and, and not for the good no
1: not for the good and I still think there's a real real problem mm-hmm. with communication with patients I mean no one even if you have somebody who's 300 pounds they're not even saying anything about their weight right. Like, hello maybe you should think about losing some weight Yikes. they won't do that hmm
0: mm-hmm. so you let's back up just a little bit uh, you said you moved to the Rogue Valley when 1991
1: okay And why the Rogue Valley this is from where were you at the time we were in New York actually at that point I had moved to Stony to to teach at Stony Brook in New York okay University State University of New York okay Um, my husband was doing private practice on in Huntington and that is Dr. Peter Peter Addison yes and I didn't like it there I had this horrible feeling something bad was gonna happen there really I did did something ever bad happen? Uh, yeah, 9-11 happened. Mm. So you, so okay. And yeah. I, I just had a feeling it was going to be something like that. Really some horrible disaster. Um, how did you and Peter meet? In medical school. Oh, really? Yes. He went. We both went to the University of Illinois, which we both say is the bargain of the Midwest. It was really <laughs> inexpensive. <laughs> it was so inexpensive compared to all the other medical schools. Yeah. Where's he from originally? He's originally from Brooklyn, but he went to Northwestern, established citizenship in Illinois, mm-hmm. and that's how he got to go to University of Illinois.
0: Okay, so you guys met in medical school. What was it about him that you liked instantly? Well,
1: I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like him at all. <laughs> he he, he liked you instantly. No, uh-uh. no, he didn't like me either. He thought I was too studious, and I thought he was obnoxious and he cocky. You thought he was too cocky? Yes.
0: no not yeah, Peter. It's true.
1: <laughs> and so it wasn't until our last year we did a psych rotation together mm-hmm. and that's where we, you get to know people on those rotations. Okay. Because it's all about I don't know, you talk about yourself you talk mm-hmm. about that's how the psych rotations go. It's really more about you than anyone else. Okay. And we really got to know each other and I realized you know I really like this guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you were married when? Um, we didn't get married till 1985.
0: Oh, Okay, so you were together for a long time before you got married.
1: Together, not together. Together, not together. Oh, it was one
0: of those. <laughs> that, that's sometimes good, you know. It's you very good. Figure yourself out. You mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And so, married in '85. Yes. And then you guys moved um, together to the Rogue Valley. Yes. Okay.
1: 1991. Had you had your boys then yet, or yes? By the time we moved here, they were two and four. Oh, yes. little guys.
0: So they grew up in the Rogue Valley. They did. That's awesome. They did. That's actually, yeah, really, really cool. So um, you then went, you did your fellowship, and you come back to the Rogue Valley. Um, a lot of things had changed at that point for you, as far as your occupation goes and your profession. You you were taking a different approach to oh, medicine. totally.
1: So when I was uh, back east, mm-hmm. I had gotten something called the Preventive Cardiology Academic Award from the. NHLBI. It was a huge honor. Only, I think, my year four, maybe five people got it. Mm-hmm. Out of all the people that wow. applied, it was looking at preventive cardiology, how to prevent heart attacks in families at high risk. At that time, I got $550,000 to do the, the grant,
0: Dang, uh, but I
1: couldn't take it with me, mm-hmm. so I had to give it to someone oh, at Stony Brook. Okay. Um, that was huge. That was a huge sacrifice in some ways. In other ways, I just was happy to be out in New York. And I did a huge shift from research to practice again. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I realized what I really liked was taking care of patients. Awesome. And I had missed that. So I was really happy to be doing that. And it was a huge change for me. But I also noticed a huge change in Medford because I had actually, when I was... I, sh- I moved my, from my internship in Washington, D.C., where I did my initial year, mm-hmm. to OHSU. That's where I did my residency. Oh, okay. And they actually sent me to Medford <laughs> for like five or six weeks to d- learn primary care at the Medford Clinic. This is in 1980. What what did you think of, of this place when you were I here? I really liked it, but I didn't see a future for me as a single woman at the time. Okay. I'm like, no way. <laughs> ah, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I'm picking up what you're laying down. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved it, and they loved me because there weren't that many women physicians at the time. Oh, sure. So they offered me a job then, right on the spot. Oh, that's... when I got done, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. No, no. But when we decided to move, we came back here, and I said, is that job offer still there? And they said, yeah, and we need a gastroenterologist too. So that's sort of what happened. So I was working with all these people that had actually known in 1980, 11 years before. Isn't it funny
0: how, and I've talked with a few people specifically on this podcast, what links you back here? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people have lived here or they would come through and visit and think how pretty it was. And then now they've been here for 30 years or something. So I just find it interesting, the parallel pathways So, I don't know. I mean, I look at Dr. Mendelssohn, You know, she
1: grew up in Chicago, and now she's here in the Rogue Valley. I know. Very cool. Well, we both know why that is. I mean, who wants to be in another Chicago winter? Horrible. (laughs) No. (laughs) And she was, I think she was there when I was there, and it was 1979. That winter was horrible. It was a freaking disaster. Oh, sounds like it. Um, (laughs) Going
0: back to Stony Brook, which, by the way, for all the Babysitter Club readers out there, the... The whole book is based in Stony Brook. It is? But I think it was Connecticut. Stony Brook, Connecticut. Oh, okay. But anytime I hear Stony Brook, I think of the Babysitter's Club.
1: Oh, that's interesting. That's that's
0: well, my Stony nerd. Well, Stony Brook's pretty
1: ideal, the little community. Well, this in this book, this
0: community was very ideal. Mm-hmm. These girls grew up in Stony Brook, babysitting and getting into all sorts of shenanigans. But anyways, what um, you didn't like it there. No. Even <laughs> though, and we're kind of jumping around, but you, even though this sounds like an ideal community and quaint you still didn't like it there because there was something that you felt just was not right about yes I I
1: didn't fit no it wasn't a fit I I wanted to be surrounded by lots of beauty and an area where I felt safe where Mm -hmm. my kids could run around you didn't feel safe no I didn't feel safe there Hmm. interesting for a lot of different reasons what year was this this was 1986, was when I moved there, mm-hmm. and then we left in 91. Okay. And it sounds
0: like you've never looked back. It was the best no. decision ever. No,
1: I missed some of the people, but. Sure. No.
0: That's always good, too, when you, a move like that, because you went from Stony Brook to the Rogue Valley. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you could get, you know, go farther in, in the United States, but uh, across no. the country, and no. that was a big deal. But looking back, you're thinking it was a brilliant move.
1: Oh, yes. And Peter, my husband, would say the same thing
0: awesome okay um, so let's talk a little bit about I know you're a big music fan because yes. you're every time I go to a Brit concert I see you there yeah so um, you and you and Peter love going to the Brit yes okay what is it about the Brit that you love
1: well I love the music I love the venue it's just fun it's what a fun evening mm-hmm. to have you know you can drink your wine well mm-hmm. their wine now um, uh-huh <laughs> bring your food and just enjoy it it's really fun really a great way uh what do you think about this season uh
0: it's it's okay do you have are there seasons
1: where you're like this season's gonna be amazing and then others like it, it looks good yeah that's that's one of these mm-hmm. um but you know i've always been surprised when i think eh, it's, it's okay and then i'm like wow that was great mm-hmm. for sure what concert are you looking forward to um Jason Mraz, I love Jason Mraz, and Brett Denon. I love them both, so okay. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, I know you've seen Brandi Carlile before, yes. right?
0: Yes. Okay, so sh- that's my heart we're gonna go see her too. Oh, I'm so excited. That's, that's the one show I'm looking forward to seeing, but she's been here so many times. She has. And I think that's really cool. A lot of these artists come back to the Rogue Valley. I think they want to, don't you? I do, I really do. I think they put it on their list of a stopover place because they love it. It's special. It is special. There's nothing like the top of the Brit where the picnic tables are mm-hmm. and you can see Roxanne and you can see that little sort of slice of the valley. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's it's heaven. It is, and then when it gets dark and you see all the lights, it's beautiful. Mm. Absolutely beautiful, yeah. Um, so, going from music to dancing, I know you're a big dancer. Yes.
1: big dancer. When did that start for you? Uh, well, I did Dancing with the Rogue Valley Stars. I was in the first group with <laughs> Gemini. Nice. You know, I go back and forth on this all the time. In 2009, <laughs> he won. I came in third. Ugh. I know. Was there ever a rematch? No, I keep trying to challenge him, but he did, he's not interested. <laughs> it's kind of like when you win at Monopoly, you never play Monopoly ever <laughs> exactly. again. So he got first. He's done. He's
0: done. No, he was good though. He really was good. Um, we're gonna call him out, DJ Jim, and I think there needs to be a
1: rematch. I would love a rematch. Awesome. Um, and so I started that, and I thought, you know, that was so much fun. I did the tango, mm-hmm. it was Argentine tango, which was wonderful. I okay. love my little dance partner, who at the time was 21, I think. And, and Brett Allman, you were older than him. Oh, obviously. obviously. <laughs> um, I think I was. Older than his mother, I'm oh. not sure, oh, boy. but it was really fun. We had yeah. so much fun, and it was so, I felt so good after that mm. um, that I wanted to keep going, so I kept doing tango for a while, and then I decided to get into West Coast Swing, Okay. and it's just been amazing. It sounds a little like an addiction for you. It is. It's an addiction, for sure, but a healthy one. Exactly. Um,
0: How often do you dance? I dance two to three times a week at least. Okay. Um, And I think dancing, I was a dancer for a long time. It takes, um, you have to be limber, so you have to be stretched out all Mm -hmm. the time. It's an aerobic exercise, so
1: all of those different things come into play when you're dancing. And you don't even realize you're exercising. That's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. And and you can really get sweaty and get your heart rate up doing dancing. And it's good for your brain, which is what I wrote about in in our book, healed Health and Wellness for the 21st Century, which you can get at Amazon.com. Plug, I like it. <laughs> this is your third book, though. It is. Okay, so tell me about the other two. So I wrote this, I used to go to um, Hoover School where the kids would ask me questions, mm-hmm. medical questions, and that what they would do is they'd write their questions and put them in a box, Okay. and then I'd pick out the ones I wanted to answer. And so I had so many, I thought, I should just start writing the answers to these things because I wanted to answer everyone. Mm-hmm. And I went, wait a minute, I have a book here. So I wrote, Kids Ask the Doctor. I left all their questions the same as the way they wrote them. Cute. Like, why do we urinate? (laughs) Y-E-R-N-A-T-E. So it's really, really cute. And I would put their first names and their ages. And what's really funny is some of them now have kids that age. So cute. So (laughs) I have Kids Ask the Doctor. Then I wrote the Smart Woman's Guide to Midlife and Beyond with one of my colleagues from internship, Hmm. Dr. Janet Horn that's still relevant today. Awesome. And that's available on Amazon. They've taken it out of print, but you can still get the print version, Mm -hmm. but you can also download it on Kindle.
0: Okay. Uh, Why do we urinate? (laughs) You have to get rid of all those toxins in your system. Exactly. I I knew that answer, but I just had to ask. (laughs) Um, And what is it about writing, you think, that just really gets you going?
1: Um, I, I enjoy it. It's cathartic in some ways, and then what happened when I started doing this integrative medicine fellowship is I started discovering new things that people I felt patients really need to know about. Um, and other physicians were not doing them. Mm-hmm. So, how do you get, mm-hmm. how do you start the change? Well, you do it with patients as the drivers. And that is what motivates me now. I believe there's some certain things that people should be doing and they're not, and they're safer and they're of more benefit, but what, for whatever reason, d- doctors don't adopt them. And it, part of the problem is we're so ingrained in what we do. Mm-hmm. It takes about 10 years for physicians to adopt new things when you look at it. Wow. 10 years. Well, I don't think these patients have 10 years. A lot of them don't. So it's time to know what to do now. And one of the things I've done in this book, Healed, um, Health and Wellness for the 21st Century, <laughs> that I wrote with Dave Kahn who's my dance partner, Yes. Um, I have a cheat sheet in the back of that book where people can actually pull it out and bring it to their doctors and say, look, these are the tests I want. Mm -hmm. Call Robin if you have any questions. I like it. Do you look at certain people, and after
0: talking to them for a while and kind of getting a sense of their, I guess, regimen for health, does it just frustrate you so much when people aren't taking care of themselves, aren't doing really small things to be better?
1: It used to, but the way I do my practice now, mm-hmm. um, I do not take insurance. People actually pay up front to see me. So you're not going to pay up front if you're not going to listen to what I have to say or if you're not willing to change. So I actually have people that want to change. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've kind of self, people self-select for my practice, which is right. fantastic. That's smart. So I'd say 70 to 80% of my patients get better versus before. Well, maybe 20% would do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ultimate was when I was at a clinic one, volunteering at at a clinic. Mm -hmm. I will not mention which clinic it was. That's all right. That's all right. And um, I remember telling this woman who was newly diagnosed with diabetes, you're going to have to stop eating donuts for breakfast every day. And she said, I can't. I can't give up my donuts. I'm like, okay. Well, that's fine go ahead, eat your donuts, but I can't. Well, I won't be able to help you with your blood sugars if you're not willing to change your diet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so... Donuts are delicious, but not are. every day. Not every day. Right. And processed foods in general are just not good for you. Yeah. What,
0: what do you see is the, the number one thing that um, unhealthy people
1: are doing? Is it food? It's food. Diet? Absolutely. And you know, part of it's they're addicted to these things. Mm-hmm. They're addicting. McDonald's is addicting. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this great book. I can't remember the order, but it's like fat, sugar, salt. I, I probably got the mm-hmm. the order wrong. But it's about how the food companies have figured out the perfect way to get you hooked on their food. Mm-hmm. So any guesses as to what is the perfect food company food that they have figured out?
0: Right. Uh, it's not Fast Food Nation, is it? No. Fast it's, Food Nation is fascinating. Yes. it's a fascinating. And that's the McDonald's, the right. addiction to McDonald's. But yeah. what
1: food would you guess?
0: Oh, would I guess that's...
1: Per, the, the perfect processed food that gets people hooked. French fries. Close. Cheetos. Cheetos! Cheetos are the perfect food. Perfectly salty, enough sugar, um, and they're crunchy. Totally addicting. Interesting. It's Cheetos. I'm not a big fan of Cheetos. I love Cheetos. I don't touch them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you shouldn't
0: touch them because yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I <get yours> anyway. <laughs> it would match
1: my uh, shirt. Yeah, you,
0: you you touch them and there's Cheeto dust everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But yeah, it's it, it is diet, and a lot of people say, "Well, I just need to hit the gym." And I personally think it starts with what we're putting in our bodies. Absolutely, mm-hmm.
1: they've shown you can't exercise your weight away alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could. I mean, if you burn more than you eat, mm-hmm. but odds are you're not going to. So it's what you eat.
0: And I think it's also intimidating for people who. Um, my husband used to be a personal trainer, and he says this all the time: people who are used to drinking like a, you know, a six pack of Coke every day, you know, maybe let's drop it down to like two a day, and then mm-hmm. one, and then hopefully none. But it's it's just things like that. Like you can't expect people to change instantly overnight. No. It takes time, but I think it's that. Willingness, like you said, to
1: actually make a change in your own body. Yes, and small changes. Small changes. And one of the things I've realized in my practice is it's all about those little changes. Mm-hmm. A bunch of little changes mm-hmm. that we can make that make a huge difference. Okay.
0: Um, you and Mr. Peter love to travel. Yes. Where'd you guys go last? Israel. Wow. What was that like? Great. Yeah. It was great.
1: I'm so glad we went when we went. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Uh, next trip on the agenda do you have one uh, we're either we're talking about Machu Picchu okay and the other one is the Galapagos what is it about traveling you two enjoy so much it's just so much fun you meet wonderful people you see different things you get away from work and mm-hmm. all the stresses it's amazing
0: is he a good traveling buddy he's great
1: traveling buddy yeah so easy
0: yeah he seems that way He's very easy and you guys are big well I say you guys but it's really Peter are just big, big wine people. Yeah, it's him,
1: not me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're actually growing grapes. Yes, and our first bottling will be in a couple months. Fantastic. It'll be called Peter William Vineyard. It's going to be good, too. Really good. Uh, What kind of wine? Is it a blend? or Malbec, Tempranillo, Grenache, and Syrah. The Grenache will be a blend. Um, He is so knowledgeable about wine. Where did that come from? You know, he's just a savant when it comes to wine. He um, got turned on to wine by his uncle when mm-hmm. he was, like, just out of high school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just, I don't know what happened. Some people get that way. He's yeah. turned a few buddies that way, too. That's awesome.
0: No, he's, he's very knowledgeable. If I ever, ever have a question, usually if I'm drinking something and I see him at an event, he goes, oh, that's good. And then he'll tell me everything else that I didn't really yes. want to know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. Um, okay, so final three, my final three questions. Best advice you've ever been given?
1: It was by Peter's dad. Hmm.
0: And, and, and it I, was? It, it,
1: it, when I first went started my internship, this is what he said. Write it down, be on time, and, oh, shoot. <laughs> What's the third thing? <laughs> Write it down, be on time, and do it now. Good advice. There I like go. I like the be on time. Yes. And when you're an intern, it's really important to do it now, or you're going to forget. Like, I just forgot to do it now. Right,
0: right. <laughs> he that agrees. was in Vegas agrees with us.
1: Um, if you ever moved
0: away from the Rogue Valley, what would bring you back here? What would you miss the most?
1: Hmm. Oh, just the beauty, my friends, and if my family were here, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking mm-hmm. of family, you
0: have two boys. I do. And they're two <laughs> yeah. ad- adult boys now. Yes, they are. Living fabulous lives.
1: Yes, they're both in L.A. They're doing really well.
0: Awesome. And yes. they visit a lot.
1: No. But no. We, we <laughs> go to visit them. And <laughs> That's now, good. now there's, like, plenty of plane tr-
0: rides we can go nonstop, Perfect. which is great. Perfect. Okay, and last question. If you were given a final meal and a final drink, what would that be?
1: Mm. French fries. Really? And I know this is terrible because – you know, my husband's a wine guy. It mm-hmm. would be a vodka and tonic.
0: Okay. That's not terrible. <laughs> That's not terrible at all. Um, excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. That helps other people find us. Check out the video portion of this podcast at KTBL.com. Just click on features, then off script. Very interesting. I wanna have you back so we can talk more about health and medicine. Oh, definitely. Okay. Thanks, Doctor Robin Miller.